Welcome to Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast. Learn firsthand from business owners who built successful ABA businesses. Utilize proven techniques and strategies to help your practice thrive. This is Building Better Businesses, an ABA podcast with Jonathan Mueller. Dr. Jacob Bradley has his doctorate in OBM and is a founder, CEO, and executive recruiter for Psych Talent. His firm specializes in ABA recruiting for BCBAs, psychologists, SLPs, OTs, operational positions, leadership positions, and much more. He lives in Appleton, Wisconsin uh, with two young kids, and he's an avid Green Bay Packers fan. And welcome to the pod, Jacob. Well, thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. I want to make one correction. I've got four young kids. Instead of just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubling up on you right away. <laughs> I, you know, that is for young kids. Like you were fighting the good fight, man. So like hats off well, thank you. Thank you. and building a business and building an right. extraordinarily valuable business. But tell me, Jacob, a little more about your entrepreneurial journey with Psych Town. What inspired you to want to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, for since I was in college. And uh, I got my, my bachelor's degree in, in ABA, so I was uh, started my career off in the field, so to speak, as a, as a BCABA, you know, about a decade ago, uh, and realized that I was not cut out to be a clinician. I, I love ABA. I love helping uh, kids and families, but I am so much more business-minded than I am uh, clinically-minded. So uh, I found OBM, went and got my, my master's and PhD in, uh, in OBM. Uh, just you know, combining ABA and business, and uh, absolutely loved it. And, and the entire time in grad school, I was thinking about different business ideas, things that I could be doing, uh, you know, to start up a business. And just remember fondly a lot of uh, you know, kind of coffees uh, with uh, with some classmates uh, about you know, just business ideas and brainstorming things like that. But uh, I wanted to do it for years. Uh, got into consulting, and then had the opportunity uh, just to, to make the leap into entrepreneurship and and started uh, Psych Talent Recruiting. But Jim, what the heck's going on with the talent shortage problem in ABA? I mean, and I keep quoting the, the one in 44 statistic, right? That oh, the yeah. CDC comes out with. So like we have no end. We have increasing numbers of kiddos and families in need. And yet it feels like the field just can't catch up. What's going on? Yeah, well, the, the field can't catch up yet. <laughs> so the if, if you think about the demand for ABA, it's skyrocketing and yeah, thankfully, over the past few years, there's been more and more uh, BCBAs being uh, created, uh, which is good, but the rate is not anywhere near catching up to the, the, the demand for services. So there's just a, a shortage nationwide uh, for, for BCBAs. You know, looking back, um, you know, we have good data from uh, 2020 from the BACB. They publish a, a report on uh, your job demand uh, for BCBAs and BCABAs across the country. And in 2020, there were 34,000 BCBA job postings, and there were something like 44,000 BCBAs. So there are, and almost all those BCBAs already have a job. So we're, we're almost, you know, we're just over 50% of where we need to be with number of, of uh, clinicians in the industry. And those those trend lines are gonna continue to, to separate as, as demand for services increases. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty, a pretty substantial 
issue that, that people are, are dealing with. And that's just at, at the industry level. But if you really break it down to what does that mean for ABA companies, especially small and mid-sized ABA companies, you know, it means that you, the things that you usually do as a small business to find talent don't work really well. You're just kind of posting and waiting. Uh, it doesn't get a lot of applicants coming in, especially for clinicians. So yeah, that's where our company comes in. We, we help ABA companies find the right people. Mm. So, I mean, to solve this problem in our field, is this like, we've got to get better recruiting mechanisms in place? Is it focusing on retention? Is it doing, is it building capacity at like graduate school levels? Like, yeah. What, yeah. What well, we well there's, there's a, a lot of different levels of this. And you know, from my OBM background, you're just kind of being a, a systems thinker. The, the huge industry wide problem isn't going to be resolved in the next several years. Um, as, as long as there's this model where there has to be linear growth and number of clinicians to serve uh, you know, the growth in the number of patients, um, that the growth curves just aren't, uh, aren't going to touch anytime soon. So, uh, but thinking about how you can solve it more at, at the level of the business, that's, that's a doable thing. That's something that, uh, that really can be solved. And uh, you think about what businesses uh, need to be doing to bring in the right people into their organization. It really comes down to actively reaching out to qualified BCBAs, the high quality clinicians that you want to join your team and presenting them with opportunities to be part of what you're doing and join your mission to really serve the families in your area and serve those kiddos and provide high quality services. And that's something that, that there's a, a big difference between the regular you know, job posting and, and helping people apply and filtering through those, which has worked for, for years and is now you know, not working well in the ABA space to this kind of solution, this, this really active approach and finding the people that you want to join your team and doing what you can on board. Mm. Uh, you know, it's interesting at my organization, Assigned Behavior Partners, our clinicians will report like there's they get at least one outreach a day from recruiters. Right? I mean, there's like hundreds and hundreds of these that, that are incoming. How do you like how do you how do you differentiate yourself if you're a small business owner you're, and you're trying like fighting the good fight with this active outreach method? Like how, how do you differentiate yourself in, in reaching out and building? It's it's not easy. So if if you're a, especially if you're a small or you mid-sized ABA company and you don't have a talent acquisition team on you know on board right now to really do this work for you. It can be pretty daunting to to figure out how you're going to reach out to BCBAs who are you're right they're you know, they're getting solicited by recruiters almost every single day. Uh, the way that you're going to show that you're you're different is you need to uh, first be visible online somehow. So there's there's your website which is good and that should that should show how you're you're different. But then there's what are you doing on social media? Uh, do you have a presence there? Can they find you and, and see? It doesn't. You don't have to be you know, hyperactive on it. But do you have some kind of presence where people who've never heard of you before could go and find you and learn a little bit about you and see if that's an opportunity that they're interested in? Uh, but one thing that a lot of companies are, are turning to now is uh, you know increased compensation and uh, pretty substantial sign-on bonuses. You have ten, twenty thousand dollars sign-on bonuses, and you'll see that in in job listings trying to attract people. You know, it's a BCBA position plus 10K sign-on bonus, plus 20K sign-on bonus. And 
these small and mid-sized ABA companies look at those job postings and think, you've got to be kidding me. You know, how, how on earth am I going to be able to bring in the right uh, BCBAs and attract people when I'm, when I'm out there competing against this kind of, this kind of money and this kind of, uh, these kind of numbers to uh, attract yeah. candidates? Where's, where do I fit in that? And that's where yeah, – Jacob – I mean, do these, I, 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 these sign up, I've seen the same thing. Right. And, and I, I'm thought of like, and there's the Tahiti vacations, right. right? I don't know if anyone ever actually knows it, but like do sign on bonuses, 10, 20 K, do those actually work? They do. So if you think about now they, they work, but there's a huge caveat. I, I don't recommend them. I don't recommend them there in the process. There's a different part in the hiring process that they're really going to help you. If you're a small mid-sized ABA company. What those job postings that have those huge sign-on bonuses listed, they're just they're trying to attract that first level of applicant. They're they're building the top line of their recruiting funnel. So if you think of a recruiting, uh, it's a lot more like sales than it is like HR. A lot of people think of talent acquisition as, as this HR type function. It really works a lot more like a sales function does. So you have a, a, a candidate funnel. You need a lot of candidates up top, and then every level you move down the funnel, you're going to lose candidates. So people apply and then you want them to schedule an interview. Not everyone does. So it gets smaller and then you interview and you exclude some people or roll some people out and it gets smaller and it goes down from there. Those sign-on bonuses at the top of the funnel, they're going to get you more applicants. It's, it's true. But what applicants are they getting you? Are they getting you people who are really bought into your mission and want to work for your company because they believe in what you're doing? Or are they getting the people who took a sign-on bonus 18 months ago to change a job? and realize that that place isn't a good place for them to work. And now there's, they start looking and there's another opportunity to pick up a big sign-on bonus if they make a jump. And what do you think is gonna happen when you're at your company? So I wouldn't put, you know, our, our approach isn't to advertise those types of bonuses right up front in the, in the job posting. Where they really do belong and, and add a lot of value is in the, the offer negotiation process. That's where, that's where companies should have their that's mm. available so that if you make an offer to a candidate and, and you go back and forth on negotiating with a uh, compensation, you have that piece where you can, you can either sweeten the deal or use it as a middle ground where if they want an increase in base, but you can't get there, well, here's a sign on bonus that you know, helps sweeten the middle. So that's, that's a good spot to have those. And that's, I think where they're, where they belong better and they'll, they'll serve you better than you know, putting them right in your job posting. Interesting. That that is a profound insight. I hadn't thought about that because it, it, those job postings, twenty k, always seem like clickbait. Well, and exactly as you point out, like yeah. little caveats. <laughs> and so, like who's a break? And you know, but the other thing around it is, what does that say to a BCBA who joined your organization a year ago when you didn't, or two years ago you didn't have oh, exactly. and now new BCBAs who likely don't have much experience, maybe as someone who's been there a year or two, are getting these big bonuses. What does that say? To that's a fan, that's a fantastic point. It, it's it's kind of a double culture killer. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're attracting the wrong people to your company with this sign on bonus, you know, this huge amount. And then you're also irritating everyone that works for you who didn't get that sign on bonus when they just go see the job posting there. So it's, it's uh, maybe it's even worse than I originally thought, Jonathan. <laughs> double culture killer might be the most vivid. Oh my gosh. Wow. I, Coming back to like, I, I like, I'd like your suggestion around the antecedent based strategies that, you know, an ABA practice owner 
or um, uh, or recruiters or anyone can use. That is just have a presence mm -hmm. online. That's not just like going out asking for someone for, right. for something from a BCBA and pitching jobs like, but like have a presence and like show who you are. Where are BCBAs going online? Do you find when they're looking for jobs? What kinds of social media and platforms? Yeah, so they're they're on LinkedIn and they're looking there, and then they're on Indeed, uh, and then you know searching just in Google is the the next big thing because that aggregates a lot of different job boards like like Glassdoor and ZipRecruiter. Um, but Facebook is also a, a great spot for where BCBAs are. There, there's a difficulty though in uh, in recruiting, and you kind of brought it up, this direct outreach constantly. I mean, everyone's bombarded with it. So, you know, it can be a little bit of white noise just to be the next person reaching out directly that way. But if you take a little bit different approach, uh, and, and you think about talent acquisition uh, in ABA from the perspective of the BCBA, you want you want to show the BCBA how your company and your role and your opportunity is going to play into their story, not the other way around. And that's how almost every job post is, is written that way, uh, where it's how the BCBA um, is going to help you instead of how you're going to help the BCBA. So, and, and that's not... You don't think of it that way. No one goes in intentionally saying, you know, here's how great I am. Look at that. But but if you read uh, you know, job postings, they're either very, very, you know, HR focused and a bunch of text and just just awful. If, if, if you have a job post that's more than a page long, no one's ever read the whole thing. I promise you. Um, but if you have mm -hmm. these, you know, shorter job postings and you have this language in there about how this opportunity plays into the life of your candidates about how this can be a place where, you know, if it's work-life balance that you can offer, what does that look like? Paint, paint a picture of what work-life balance looks like. That means you go home at 4.30 every day or, or 5.30, but whatever, whatever time uh, your, your credit closes or, or you're done with, with services. And that means you don't work, you don't work on Saturdays ever. We'll never ask you to do that. Saturday, you know, and, and you need to paint some of this in and help them visualize what the, what their life will look like working for you. And it's not, We've been in business for, for 10 years and we're in different states and <laughs> we'll get 10K to apply. <laughs> that's, that's not, yeah. not the, that's not how, that's not how they uh, are going to yeah. be fulfilled working for you. I like that insight of like, make the candidate the hero of the story, oh, yeah. right? Don't make it about you. Make it about the candidate and what's going to appeal to them. A. B, paint an actual picture for them. Because I got to think, I mean, when if, 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 if someone's looking for a job, I mean, how long are they going to spend actually like reading a resume? Like how, how, how long do you have to like catch their attention? seconds? That's, that's for real. And if you're, and if you're posting a job on, on these job boards where everyone else is posting to the next, you know, if you're not capturing their attention quickly, the next job ad is a click away. Sometimes on the same screen, they don't have to click away. They can just, you know, open their eyes and right. the, the next opportunity. Scroll up. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So well, let's dive deeper into what what BCBAs are are looking for, just based on our experience, you know, talking with uh, you know hundreds and, and thousands of them. They the big drivers uh, for BCBAs for taking a new job, you gotta think about the pain points that they might be experiencing in their current job. These are pain points that are across a lot of companies in the industry, and they're pretty uh, you know, built in structurally, and it's difficult to avoid some of them. 
so BCBAs are by and large uh, overworked. They work long hours and longer than they were promised. BCBAs don't, they don't typically feel underpaid. That, that's, that's kind of a, a misnomer. Uh, pay isn't a good driver of retention. It's a really good driver of attraction. So it's a good driver for someone to leave your company when they're attracted by a higher number, but there's not a lot of people who think, yeah, I'm underpaid. Let me go look. That's not what we typically see in, in ABA. So you have this, you know, this person who's overworked when they went into the ABA field and they discovered ABA, there's kind of a couple different tracks for people to, to discover ABA. Uh, one is they went to undergrad, you know, psych major, they, they, they took an intro to ABA class and their eyes were opened. That's how I found it was I was, I was like major and, and found ABA and I was like, this just, this makes so much sense. And it's not, it's not this, you know, kind of pie in the sky. What do you think about, about feelings? It's like, okay, we actually have a science of how we can you know, analyze behavior. And you go through this, you know, the ABA coursework as an undergrad and, and grad student, and you learn so much about the science and so much about how you can help people with it. And quality is, is such a, a focus and such a, you know, a virtue in, in those programs. So these you know, BCBAs want to be part of helping people with high quality, you know, high fidelity services. And a lot of ABA companies you know, struggle to maintain that level of service as they grow um, because there are other business needs and um, you know, growth and quality, are, are those are difficult things to manage together. It can be done, but it's, it's not easy. So a lot of BCBAs struggle with, I know what really high quality uh, ABA looks like. And we're doing okay. We're doing our best, but it's not, it's not really high quality ABA. Like I know from grad school, like I know from this internship I had, like I know from this, this uh, you know, university clinic I worked at uh, with, you know, big names in the field. And that's, that's what I want. So if you can give someone that mission and purpose of, you know, come work with us and do this really high quality ABA that, that you were trained to do, and really live out that mission that you've been wanting to live out for years of grad school and other first few years of your career. And we're going to provide you that opportunity instead of focusing on you hitting this number of billable hours, you hitting this kind of metric, you know, come here and, and let's focus really on, on changing the lives of, of these kids and their families. And we want to give you uh, all of these opportunities to, to just really wow them with with what you can do and to really use uh, you know all those great skills that that you've acquired and be that expert that you really are and uh, a lot of bcbas just they don't feel treated that way at most companies but if you can give them the opportunity to do that mm. that's super super attractive to to bcbas but the difficulty the difficulty comes in with uh almost every aba company will say that to a candidate or so, something like that right you can say mm. we have great culture we have we you know, provide high quality services do that where where we come in kind of as a third-party recruiter is that we're able to, to tell them the truth about what different companies are and, and you know really highlight those aspects that that match up with what they're looking for uh you know, based on on their career goals and, and we can we get to know our clients and and know what quality looks like at these companies know what their culture looks like and then, then we don't we don't take that face value like we ask a bunch of follow-up questions like hey, you say you have great culture what does that mean what would tell me about what you're doing to, to actually live out this great culture? Because we want to take these examples and, and show them to candidates and say that, you know, we work with a bunch of different companies. We don't 
you know, if, if there's any unethical you know practices, things like that, we don't represent those companies, but there are companies that really excel on the culture side of it. And I think Ascend is one of them. And there are companies that you know really excel on providing your know, rapid career growth. But let's be frank, culture is not their big thing. But you can make a lot of money there. Well, that's mm. which one are you a fit for? Are you looking for aggressive career growth? Are you looking for this culture fit and high quality services? And we can talk about what that means. But we're seen as more of a third party. You, know, you can evaluate this and, and help show candidates where they're going to be valued the most in the way that they want to be valued. And it's a little bit harder message if you're selling it yourself for your company. It, it definitely can be done, but that's that's a hurdle to overcome. Yeah, I uh, I love that you almost being like uh, as an executive recruiter, you are an ombudsman, yeah. an independent <laughs> sort of entity that comes between companies sure. and that. Well, I and, and and so full disclosure, both my organizations, Ascend Behavior Partners and Element RCM. Um, uh, uh, have been site talent customers in 2021 and Jacob, you have helped us like so tremendously, like it literally phenomenal across all kinds of different positions. That's the other crazy part. And, uh, so, so tell me like, what's the secret sauce of site talent and how have you been so successful recruiting? Yeah. The, the, the secret sauce of site talent. Yeah. I, I don't think we're, we're bringing something to the table that, um, yeah, as far as like tools we use and things like that that other companies are using. But where we're different is we are exclusively an ABA. And we know ABA inside and out. And we know BCBAs inside and out. And, and that's that's our focus. So when we uh, go out and start recruiting for a position, we make sure that we know the company that we're recruiting for. We know what makes them different. We know what makes them unique. And we know what they're looking for in, in a candidate. Then we go out and, and you use our, our database of people that we've already already known, our relationships that we've established in our network. But we also start searching for people to, to add to that list. And then we go through uh, an interview process with uh, each one of these candidates and make sure that they fit exactly what our clients are looking for. And that, that sounds, that sounds you know, kind of straightforward, but in recruiting world, that's uh, there's such a uh, such a, a temptation almost for these other recruiting companies to just get as many resumes as you can and, and send them out and hope for the best. But that's not actually helping companies hire the right people. And that's what we want to do. We, we're we're really committed to helping, especially small and mid-sized ABA companies, find the right BCBAs, find the right clinical leaders, find the right executives, so that they can serve their families and grow their business. And that's that's what that's what we do in this space. And it's a lot of hard work. You know, re recruiting isn't, it's it's straightforward, but it's not easy. So that's where uh, you know, we put a lot of the legwork and uh, we really we really go to bat for you. Uh, I, I, I particularly loved and appreciated the time you took to get to know us. That really uh, like is deeply like meaningful to be able to point the candidate in, you know, in one direction versus mm -hmm. another provider direction. Uh, because you know them so well. And then the other thing you did that was so cool is you always had those like four minute right. video clips that you'd send over. So it was almost like this, you had interviewed someone, but I got to know them exactly. a little bit. And that was super exactly. helpful. Super yeah, helpful. and we love doing that. We, we do that with uh, some of our leadership and executive positions, those those video clips. Because if, if we're gonna be interviewing people and sending them to you, every camp that we send, obviously you get the resume and then you get a write up, you know, summary of who they are, 
you know, where they're located. Are they open to relocation? What compensation are they looking for? Are they, you know, are they value aligned culture fit with you? If there's any, you know, yellow flags, we'll kind of call them out and let you make a judgment call on that. But then with these yeah. leadership and executive positions, we can actually record part of the interview and send it to you so that you get a chance. You don't have to mm -hmm. feel like you have to invest all this time scheduling a half hour, hour long interview with someone just to find out two minutes in that they're not the right fit. Well, if we can just send you a four minute video, then it'll be pretty clear to you if they're not the right fit. You're just on that, that obvious first pass right away and then you can really use your time wisely. Jacob, you recently told me an insane stat that something like 10% of the workforce has resigned in the last 90 days. What the hell is going on? Like, what's yeah. this great resignation? Yeah, the, the, the great resignation. And, and that 10% that statistic is, it sounds outlandish, but it's, it's, it's just under 10%. It's pretty close, though. Uh, you're looking at like three and a half to almost, you know, four and a quarter, four and a half percent uh, of the workforce quitting each month over the past few months, which is yeah, absolutely insane. But if you, if you look at uh, wh why people are quitting and what they're looking for, I mean, they're not quitting and leaving the workforce right now. They're leaving their jobs and looking for an upgrade, looking for something that has better hours, better culture, better, better pay. Uh, better title, a leadership opportunity. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that. And uh, the turnover is, it's even more pronounced in you know, the healthcare industry by and large. And then, you know, I know a lot of companies are feeling it in, in ABA, especially with, uh, with behavior techs. So it's, it, it is a completely a candidate driven market right now, really unlike anything we have ever seen in uh, the modern economy, uh, how much candidates have control of the situation right now, because they can, I mean, there are so many companies that are, are desperate to get the right people on board and they can't even fill out a job application and be interviewing three, four places in 24 hours if they want to. And that's, that's the, the, the truth of the situation right now. But yeah, the, the great resignation is really, uh, really highlighting the importance of employee retention especially in ABA, if you can, uh, you know, as important as bringing the right people in is to your company, keeping the right people is even more important to bring the right ones in. Uh, you know, I, I, I so appreciate that you said that because I, you know, I do hear a lot of teeth gnashing around, oh, the great resignation, almost like there's, a, there's a defeatist, like there's nothing we can do, but doesn't it feel like the first step is not like, how do we recruit better, but like turn ourselves inward and think about like, how do we improve? Culture? Yeah. The, no, the, the first step is how do you retain people in your, in your company? And that comes into, that's what culture really is for your company. And that's, that's one of the, the greatest measures you can have of culture is do people actually stay in your company? And then what do people in your company, you know, what would they say about working there to other people uh, who, who don't work there? Th those, those are two like real down and dirty, uh, your measures of, of culture right there. So if, if you're having a high turnover problem, the number one reason you can look at, at Gallup for this, the number one uh, reason people leave their jobs is because of their boss. Uh, it's because of their direct, mm. their direct supervisor. And there, there's something like 40% of people who leave because of their direct supervisor say that they would take the job back if their supervisor was replaced. And if you think about it, like that's the person that, that, that uh, has the, the most influence over, uh, you know, over your, your day-to-day -day work life. That's the person who has the, um, you, 
that's a person that is able to to praise you and provide you with uh, with reinforcement, or is able to make it a pretty aversive, pretty negative place for you to work. And uh, having good leaders is is you know one of the cornerstones of being able to have good culture in your company and you know, reinforce the right behaviors and uh, and make sure that the wrong ones aren't taking place. Uh, so this is like doubly the importance of having happy BCBAs. If I hear you right, like is is not just you want to retain the BCBA, but if a BCBA is is not feeling like they're being invested yeah. in taking care of their career path is not being shaped then it means they are five six seven eight nine however many rbts they supervise oh. are probably not getting the quality the, 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 the cascading effect of it is it's it's kind of scary to think about but you can flip it on its head and, and it's really powerful okay so are you telling me if i really invest in one person in my company that that can actually have a, a positive impact um, eight other people in my company. If you think about it that way, then it's pretty exciting to think about investing in your in your BCBAs, investing in your leaders uh, to make sure that they have what they need to do their job well, that they have good work life balance, that they know that you as a you, know, you as a higher up leader and as your company are going to be with them for the long term. That you're not just using them to get revenue in the in the door. Um, which is how some BCBAs feel at some companies, but you're actually investing them because you want them to be the best person they can be, the best leader they can be, be the best clinician they can be, and providing those those new new skills and opportunities to really grow that way. It's not you're not just investing in one person in your company. You're investing in that person, and then how they interact with their coworkers, and especially how they interact with with people uh, who they lead. Hmm. Right. So this comes to like, how do you like have the right set of mechanisms in your interview process to really both allow a candidate to contact your culture, what's special about it, but also like to be efficient. So, and this is where I always think Jacob, like interviewing is a little bit of art, yep. a little bit of science, a little bit of reading the tea leaves and, and who knows what else, right. like what are some best practices for interviewing that, that, that are going to improve a company's success? Yeah, and think about what, what's the purpose of, of interviewing? Uh, you know, most companies are going to say, well, I interview, so I make sure I, I don't hire a bozo and I hire the right person. Oh, good. That's one of the functions. Of interviewing. The other one is, is especially now is selling your company and making it an appealing place that someone would want to work. So there's, and, and that part is so frequently forgotten about or, or not emphasized enough in the, in the interview process. So, uh, you know, good interviewing practice. You, you want to interview uh, candidates for the same position the same way. That's you know, kind of the, the first ground rule is that uh, you're sending through about the same number of interviews and in interview number one, you're looking you're j just broad fit on you know these three or four characteristics or bits of experience and you're doing that for every candidate so that way it's it's even and fair and it's actually a good measurement tool for you. I mean, if you think about the, the basics of of measuring something, I think any behavior analyst would know this. You can't, you like, you can't change the ruler as you know, every time you're going to measure something yeah. to, to know what you're doing. So that's why it's important to keep it pretty much the the same uh, as you go through. Now you're looking for the same pieces of information, but you need to be conversational about it. You need to be relatable, and you need to be you need to show the candidate that this is a place where where they can fit in and that they're wanted, not a place where they have to you know really clear a high bar. Um, just to get in and then not fit. So you, you I mean, there still is this, this high bar that you're setting, but your questions and your tone are not, are not demanding that they, 
they clear this, your conversation is is leading to that information coming out. And that's yeah, that's one thing that that we do in our uh, in our conversations with with candidates is that first that first initial call that we have with them. Uh, in about two to three minutes, people go from like really formal, you kind of scripted answers to we kind of disarm them of all that and, and bring it down to, to more conversational. But then we have very specific points that we are going to work into every single conversation to make sure that we're getting the right information out of candidates that we need to um, in as pleasant a way as, as possible. And, and it's the things that you know, they get out of any interview, but we're having a really you know, kind of career guide oriented conversation with them. And that's the way that you should be talking with them. Uh, as well, instead of you know, just trying to bring them into your organization, you can even see, okay, is this a fit for you? Or there might be, might be there, you know, there might be another fit for you that's not with us. And let's, you know, I just want the best for all people involved. So that's, that's the first part of the interview. And then you want to do your your structured um, your process after that about your culture. And one of the best ways to do that is to expose them to good influences in your culture. So who are those leaders? Who are those BCBAs? Who are those behavior techs that uh, really are, the, the staples of, of culture and their part of the business and uh, give them some tools to be able to have a conversation and evaluate people based on that culture. And, and they're going to have a good feel for it. If they're you know, good at in your culture, they're going to have a good feel for it. If that person's going to be a fit, but make sure that they have to hear the, the three or four things that we want you to look for and evaluate this person on based on the conversation. Hmm powerful introduce them to those strong culture influencers so they can they can contact right they actually can like see touch um you know there's also some important legal um uh and sort of compliance considerations when it yeah. comes to interviewing you mentioned like the importance of uh, asking the same questions mm -hmm. of each candidate though that could be conversational uh are there any others that um uh aba practice owners and interviewers should, should yeah consider? there's uh, there are a list of of no go topics and questions for you talking with candidates that, that put you in a really tight spot once once you ask them and actually open you to uh, a lawsuit that you will almost certainly lose should you go down that road. So uh, anything that's protected um, you know, status or protected class, you can't be asking about that in an interview. Uh, so like you you can't and shouldn't ask if someone is married in an interview. That's a protected piece of. Uh, your protected status, you can't use it at all to make a decision. And even if you're not going to make a decision on it, if you just you know, ask that question to the candidate, you now are liable for, you know, go wrong and they don't like the decision you made uh, and they want to, you know, they can demonstrate that you asked that question. Now, how are you going to demonstrate you didn't use that information? That's, that, that's the tough spot. So it's best not to ask questions on, you know, Race, ethnic, ethnicity, you know, sexual orientation, uh, marital status, uh, you know, religion. You can't ask questions on that. You know, here, but but there are other ways that you can get the information that you really do need to know. But that might seem to violate that, that protected status, but it actually doesn't. So one example would be, um, you you can't ask someone if they go to church on Sunday. Uh, you can't ask that in an interview. But you could say the reason you want to know is because you want them to work on Sunday mornings. You know that you, for whatever reason, mm. you could say, right. "Hey, this position requires you to work, you know, one Sunday morning a month. Are you able to do that?" Now they, that candidate can right. can answer that question. But if you just asked, you know, "Hey, do you go to church every Sunday?" Now you're in a situation where 
you know information that you can't use to make a decision and they know you know that information and you're you're in a tight spot now uh, well i um one thing i've heard jacob is that like stay interviews are like the new exit interviews so tell us like what's uh this comes back i think to the retention question we were talking about earlier like what's a stay interview and why are they so impactful? yeah uh, a stay interview if you think about what an exit interview is, someone's said they're going to leave your company and now you're going to ask them why they're leaving. And you're going to see what you can do to make it so that the next good person doesn't leave your company. Well, what's a better thing to do, especially if your company's been around for a few years and you have, you don't have to have great data here, but you can just kind of do a look back and see who's left our company the past two years. When did they leave the company in respect to how long they've been there. Do they leave after six months of being there? Do they leave after three years of being there? Let's, let's find out when people are leaving during their job tenure, leaving our company. Let's say we come up with behavior text and it's, you know, it's nine months in, we're having a lot of behavior text. Leave. Let's, let's go and make sure that the three month and the five month and seven month mark, we are meeting with the behavior text to ask them some of the types of questions that we would ask in an, in an exit interview before they even tell us that they're looking uh, to leave the company. Because chances are that they've started thinking about that earlier than the nine month mark. They've started thinking about it earlier. So if you can ask the questions to them, you can actually surface some of those issues and address them right now so you don't lose good people. And then it also serves as a double effect of you have this information where you can start to make systematic changes in your company and your culture so that these aren't problems for the, the next people coming up. So you get to save people who are good from leaving your company and you get to improve your culture based on that instead of just asking people why they're leaving. <laughs> so it's like, it's an antecedent oh, exactly. basically, management strategy as opposed to something reactive. Exactly. Right? And like, I, I mean, anyone likes to be asked, like, right. how are you doing? And like, how are things going? And like, so genuinely reaching out and engaging and getting their feedback. And oh, by the way, if you're able to do the most important part, which mm -hmm. is address it, like that builds trust. No, absolutely. It feels like. So that's absolutely. And just being able to have a genuine conversation about it and bring up the real issues. And it's, it's the same way in, in interviewing, uh, interviewing candidates for your company to bring up the real issues and what they're really looking for and what the real pain points are that they're having and what their real aspirations are. Once you know those things and they know you know, that's that's half the battle. Because people aren't, you know, a lot of people aren't you know, up from the information. That's that's pretty that's pretty you know close to the heart. But if you can get to some of those things and address them and say, hey, yeah, let's. Oh, you, you didn't know. You, you feel like you don't have uh, you know good career path here. Oh, let's talk about that. No, let's let, let's let's show you what you know, so and so did, so and so did in our company. And and here's let's sit down and meet with you. Uh, you know, next week, and, and we're going to go through and build out a, a path for you to move into that position that that you you want to move into, and we'll make sure that we get get you the trainings that you need, and you can you know, spend a week shadowing that person, and you can do these different things. And we we really want you here, and we're we're so glad that you're on our team. And having that conversation two months before they're likely to uh, to quit is so much more impactful than after they quit and asking them and see if there's something you do to, to salvage the situation. Amen. Amen. Well, it, it, Jacob, you're a systems thinker. And so I, I need your help with this one. There's like 6,000 ABA organizations yeah. out there and, um, and many are growing quickly. 
and um, and they need to make decisions about do I build an internal recruiting team or do I outsource it, hire a psych talent or, or another executive sure. recruiter? Like, so help me understand, like, what's a framework that a, an ABA practice owner or leader should use to make the decision in source versus outsource? There's uh, there's a few different factors that, that play into it. One that really needs to be made when you're looking at at bringing in a completely new function into your company and building a team around that, it, that has to be cost justified. You, you don't want to build your own recruiting team if you're hiring five, six BCBAs in a year. That's not that's not going to work out for you. But if you're looking to uh, you know hire ten BCBAs this year and a bunch of behavior techs and you're expanding into these new markets and you're you're growing this way and that way, then yeah, it's it's probably going to be a, a good thing for you to go down that road and, and see if it is the right fit for you. The, the way that that I see it is uh, when, when should you use a, a, a recruiter? And, and the answer is not always. <laughs> it's it's far, far more uh, efficient if you can bring in the right people uh, for yourselves, right? That, that's going to that's gonna help you grow faster and it's going to be more cost effective. Um, and it's, it's you know, the, the right fit long term for a lot of companies. And you know, on, on day one, you need to be, you know, make sure you have a good job posting and reaching out to your network and actively recruiting and selling your position and interviewing well, and then making a good offer. Uh, and we've got a whole guide that will walk you through how to do that. So if you're a small ABA company and you're, you're wondering what, you know, what the, um, what you can be doing to really move the needle on recruiting, uh, you can, I've got a guide for you to go download. It's at uh, psychtalent.com slash recruit. There's a free guide that will walk you through how to start recruiting on your own, because that, that truly is going to be the best solution if you can do it yourself. Uh, as, as you grow, you want to uh, look at what it takes to bring on a team internally. And it really depends on where you're going as a business. So having a recruiting pain right now isn't you know, a real justification to build a, a whole team internally. And, and think about recruiting as you would almost any other business support function. The best thing to do when you're small is to outsource that. You're going to get a really high level of knowledge and expertise at a lower cost than bringing that in in-house. And that's going to help you, especially early on, to, to grow without having to you know, have the, the full risk and the full investment of bringing a team. But when you start you're looking at the volume of placements that you're going to need to be able to um, to get to to grow, uh, achieve your, your business growth plans. Then that's the time when you want to start looking at bringing this in internally. And you know, step one is really getting the right leader in place. So if you can get the right leader in place to build out your recruiting team, uh, that's that makes a world of difference because then you've really brought in someone who can grow it for you versus brought in a new cost center that you have to figure out how to manage and grow yourself. So that's always, that's always the, the, the first big domino to fall when you're, you're looking at making that investment. Uh, and you kind of price it out and say, yeah, it's going to be better for us long-term to have this team internally. That's, that's step one. Mm. Start with the right. If, if you are yeah, going to if you are, start with the right correct. leader. Yeah. I love that. Love it. You know, it's interesting because like, as we think about it, what was that set? Three and a half, three, three and a half, four percent of the workforce is like yeah. leaving every month. Isn't there a flip side to that equation that that means there's a great opportunity now if you are looking for candidates, there's lots of candidates available and open to work. Is Am I thinking about that right? Or should I think about yeah, that? Yeah, I think about it. Well, if only it worked that way. <laughs> but it, 
it's it's not it's not shaping out that way. So the the highest amount of turnover is happening at at uh, you know direct labor and direct care level positions across across the country. And if you think about so that's really impacting in ABA that's that's behavior techs. And if you think about mm-hmm. bringing in behavior technicians uh, you know, to your company, that there are very few ABA companies that feel like they've got as many behavior techs as they need, and it's really easy to find the next one. If, if you're in that spot, mm-hmm. uh, congratulations, put your feet up on the desk, uh, you, you've, you've earned the rest. <laughs> but uh, most companies really are struggling getting behavior techs in. And in all honesty, that's not a position that, that we uh, recruit for very often. It's not something we don't do the high volume recruiting work. But uh, in, you know, across the, across the country, the behavior tech workforce, just as far as like skill set, experience compensation for entry level behavior techs, it, that's the same, that's the same labor market that convenience stores hire, that Amazon warehouses hire, that senior care facilities hire, that, you know, hospitals hire for, for, you know, CNAs and uh, all that it takes to really shift that market, especially if you're in a, you know, smaller region, you're not in, in a major metro area, all that needs to happen is an Amazon warehouse to open in your town and say, we need to hire 400 people at 15 or 17 an hour. Mm-hmm. And now it now there's this you know, really tight labor crunch in that pool right where you are. And you know, the, the manufacturing companies are going through the same thing. And, and it's all that, that similar, you know, broad strokes labor pool that is having this super high turnover and especially in direct care in any aspect of healthcare, those are, that's always a high stress, high turnover position compared to other industries. It's no different in ABA. Um, I don't know how, how we'll you know, fully solve the problem, but the things that definitely can be done to improve the situation by making your place a great place to work and a place people want to stay and a people, a place that, where people can grow. Yeah. Well, let's say you could wave your magic wand and solve the turnover problem in our field? Like, what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, to solve the turnover problem in the field. Um, it, think about it in, you, you take a little bit of a behavioral approach to it and just think about the decision to leave in two ways. One, uh, what makes someone want to leave a spot if it's aversive, right? If it's, if it's a negative place for them to work and what makes someone want to go somewhere else if there's if it's better over there, if there's more reinforcement uh, available for making that decision going over there. And, and that's where you, to wave a magic wand, you need to have, you need to have a great culture. You need to be doing things like stay interviews. Uh, you need to have growth opportunities within your company for people. And even if you're a small company that, that seems like it's impossible because you don't have a, a corporate ladder for someone to, to work up, you can still be having those uh, one on one conversations about where, what do you want to be doing career wise? Where do you want to be? How do we get you there and provide those opportunities? And it's actually be more impactful than if, than if you had you know, this, this huge you know, corporate ladder for someone to, to climb with, you know, the next eight steps of their career mapped out. So be doing that, uh, making sure that they have the ability to grow within your company without having to, to leave the next place. The pay piece, pay isn't a huge driver of retention. Pay is a big driver of attraction. So you need to be paying well enough where where uh, making the leap to leave your company to go somewhere else isn't just an obvious no-brainer decision for them. Like, okay, that pays 20 grand more for the same position and it looks like a cool company. Well, that decision's already made. But if it's, you know, we're, we're in the same ballpark and is it worth you know, leaving for a few thousand dollars for a place that I don't know and I'm not sure what their culture is and they're really great here and I, 
I get to go home and be with my kids at night and I get to you know, do all these other things that I, I really want to do. That's where the, the pay piece you know, comes into play uh, a bit. So I, I would really focus on, you know, on, on those aspects of it, making sure you have a good culture, a career growth track for uh, your people um, where, where pay is equitable in the market. You don't have to be top of market, but enough where people don't obviously leave. And then the other thing is you need to, you need to hire good people. You need to hire well. And that means you need to be good at, at selecting the right people to come into your organization. People who aren't likely to leave after six or nine months, people who are likely to be successful working uh, in ABA. Hmm. Well, Jacob, what's one thing every ABA business owner and leader should start doing? And what's one thing they should stop doing? You should uh, stop posting jobs and waiting. Uh, waiting is not a talent acquisition strategy. Uh, you need to be you need to be active in getting the right people. And in. And we talk with uh, a lot of ABA companies across the country, and the number of times we hear that they posted a job six months ago and they had no no applicants at all. <laughs> Is just, it's incredible hearing that. And that's not a spot you should be in, right? There's things that you can be doing. And, and again, we've got that guide you can go and, and look at and you, to do some of it yourself because you could have success this way. And uh, psychtalent.com slash recruit, get the guide. You'll be able to start recruiting on your own uh, for BCBAs. So stop, stop posting and waiting for someone to apply and start reaching out and searching for the right candidate to join your company. Well said. Uh, we'll take him, throw one question at me, anything, and make me answer this guy. What, in, in growing Ascend, what was the biggest problem that you had that just was an absolute nightmare? And how did you solve it? <laughs> There's a lot we haven't solved. Um, I, um, so I think um, we have been entirely remote. You know, we're headquartered yeah. in Denver but we operate in Colorado, Arizona, Texas. We don't have centers. Um, we don't have fancy Tahiti vacations or 20,000 <laughs> We literally only have our people, but we're, but because we're entirely remote, like there is an extraordinary level of intention that we had to take to make sure that we were, I mean, the basics of like, how do you interview from afar to how do you communicate your values consistently? How do you make sure that when you're not there, right? Like that someone, uh, a BCBA and RBT is communicating your values. Um, when a family asks like, hey, and this happens all the time, by the way. Uh, so ABA providers, listen up. Uh, every single family will ask the RBT, hey, how does this company treat you? So the question is when you're not there to answer the way you want it to be answered, how is your team wow. answering that? And so that was something that, yeah, that's, that was something that we had to, and I directly, so like early on, it was back in 2017, yeah. 2018, I would literally, I'd actually like just show up like Phoenix and I'd go and like outside someone's house. It wasn't creepy. I, 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 I set it up and hopefully <laughs> that it wasn't, but you know, I got to see sessions. I got to see our team in action. I got to like hear feedback from, from, you know, an RBT directly here from the family. But, um, but that was really important when we, when we recognize that level of intention, of how we had to train, shape our team, coach them, provide the career pathing and professional development opportunities. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. You can't get it right from the absolute get-go, but be asking what behaviors are getting reinforced when I'm not around. That is huge. And, and it's true even in center-based ABA companies. You, you said that, that you're entirely wrong. 
your your therapy isn't remote. Your therapy is is uh, in, yeah, correct. Yes, yeah, that's right. The entire yeah, organizational structure of your company is remote, right? You guys don't go to offices, and, and where you guys work remotely. Which um, I, I want to circle back to that real quick, but being able to know what behaviors are reinforced when you're not there. That is, that's gold right there. So every ABA company can be thinking about that. And, and then how do you go and find the information out? Um, and it's not, it's not this, this deep, creepy investigation. It's conversations and setting the example by reinforcing those behaviors yourselves for other people and, you know, reinforcing those people when you see them reinforcing those behaviors and others, right? It's just some, um, some pretty basic OPM stuff, but it's, it's easy to say and it's hard to do. But That's I, right. I, I want to I jump right. back real quick. You, you are an entirely remote ABA company. Uh, obviously the services are provided directly at home, but yeah. everything about your company otherwise is remote. And uh, there's one thing that is a huge advantage to that, post-COVID. I mean, sure, going through COVID, you didn't have to make the big transition that a lot of other companies had to make. Yeah. But one thing now that puts you guys in a different uh, and more advantageous position, especially when recruiting people and recruiting leaders in your company, is that uh, you can have people work remote. And one change that we've seen from pre-COVID mm -hmm. to post-COVID is people's willingness to relocate has plummeted because... They confirmed their suspicion that they can work remote and be good at their job. Now, it doesn't mean that companies loved that, right? I, that was a big stress for a lot of companies. A lot of companies are built with this culture being, you know, clinic based or, or being office based, and that's really important to them. But now there's this reality where the talent pool, you know, people that we otherwise would would have been able to get to relocate for really cool new opportunities, won't do it. Because they say, I, I just worked to, I just did this job remote for two years and I did it really well. And I know I can do that. And that's whatever I take next is going to, is going to be remote or remote plus travel. And there's a, a big section of the, of the, the, especially leadership level talent pool that actually just gets smaller when you, when you require the position to be in person, smaller than it used to be, which is, which is pretty crazy to think about, but any company that, can have that flexibility to say, you know, even if you're a center-based or office-based company, to have that flexibility and say, you know, we'll do remote or remote plus, plus some regular travel. Like you, you got to be on site for strategy stuff. You got to be on site, you know, on, on a monthly basis, something like that. Uh, but if you're a lot, if you can set up where they connect you to that job remote and you get really good at video meetings and, and you know, touching base that way and get, get good on um, some, some collaborative technology, you open up the talent pool for your position exponentially because now you've allowed the entire nation to be your talent pool instead of just your one location and people who already live there or who are actively trying to move there. Wow. So that, that applies for leadership positions, but potentially other sort of the critical back uh, yeah, office yeah. support functions. Any, any, anything, uh, it's not going to apply well for clinic for clinical positions. Um, in ABA. I mean, there, there's there's a whole funding uh, issue with uh, with you know, telehealth that is a topic for uh, another show, I think. But uh, yeah, a any back office support person, uh, anyone who's you know, billing, um, you know, you're scheduling, uh, accounting, all, all of these things 
our jobs that are, are done already heavily, you know, computer-based positions without constant direct, you know, conversation and communication to get the job done. Um, so there's, they actually can be done pretty easily remotely. And you can set up where there's really good communication too, right? Being remote doesn't mean there's no communication or bad communication or people aren't working. You can set up some good processes and good checks on their performance to make sure that things are getting done and really open open up uh, the talent pool in a way that it, 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 the history of the world has never been open before. Uh, and now you have access to that if you're able to support a remote position. Uh so this is like a new age that we have. And a new right, yeah, don't think, it, don't think about like you're one of the first companies in the history of the world that can actually do this. Wow, powerful, <laughs> oh, so powerful. All right, Jacob, before we go to the hot take questions, um, where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jacob Bradley, PhD. It should be pretty easy to find, connect with me, message me directly, love to have a conversation about anything in, in AB and business, uh, it's, it's really, um, a passion of mine, OBM. I love talking about that. And then on psychtalent.com, our website, that's psyctalent.com. And then uh, don't forget, you can get that guide of how to start recruiting yourself in ABA. Uh, that's psychtalent.com slash recruit. And we'll make sure to drop that awesome. in the show notes. So, all right, Jacob, are you ready for rapid fire? Uh, quick, short answer, yeah. hot takes. Here we go. You're on, you're on your deathbed. What's the one thing you want to be remembered? Uh, I want to remember being a, a good follower of Christ and a good husband and a good father. None of those are things. <laughs> I, <laughs> what's your most important self-care? Uh, I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. Uh, before my kids wake up and I'm uh, reading and praying and I do that uh, every morning. Oh, that is discipline, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so if you could cancel all meetings, skip all your responsibilities for a day, how would you? I would go that? skiing in Colorado. Oh, oh, love it. And you're always <laughs> welcome here. Uh, which team are you most happy when the Packers beat? They're, so everyone's going to think I'm going to say the Bears, but it's the Vikings uh, because they've you know, the, the, Bear, the Bears fans, you can at least respect because it's an old and historic and established team. If you don't like them, you respect them a little bit. But the Vikings, I mean, there's just no excuse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, then I have to ask. Um, uh, Brett Favre, in a word. Gunslinger. <laughs> yes. Oh, that guy's the cannon. Like right. no other. Um, uh if you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you uh, Focus on serving other people and creating value for other people. Um, that's something that I've learned in the past few years that there's way more. You, you'll grow way more that way and you'll have way more joy in your life that way than you're trying to acquire things for yourself. All right. And you can only wear one style of footwear for the rest of your life. What would it be? Uh, ski boots. You, you can't ride real well on them, but... Uh, but you can have a lot of fun now. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so well said. Jacob, this has been awesome. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks Jonathan. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Building Better Businesses in ABA podcast. Stay tuned for our next exciting episode. In the meantime, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. We value your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on social media at elementrcm.ai.